Hi, guys. How you doing? One person's doing good. That's awesome. That's all right. Well, hopefully after this, you'll be doing really good. Um, I'm Mark. I'm the worship pastor here. Um, it's an honor to get to use the mic for things other than singing right now. Um, I've been serving on the worship team in church for almost all of my life. And so the chance to get to speak is always an honor, um, especially with this message. It's um, something I'm really, really passionate about, and I get really, really fired up. Um, and I think one of the reasons why is just um, Jesus' relationship with the Father has always been significant to me. And my relationship with my father has always been significant to me. Um, so this message is just about the image of the father um, and the gospel. Um, but specifically focusing in on how we see God. Um, Justin, can you pull up the first video? The more festive one? Might want to unmute the channel. Oh, the computer itself needs to be unmuted. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was my bad. Dad? 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 What? I can't go to sleep unless I get tucked. What? I can't go to sleep unless I get tucked in. I am not going to tuck you in. I I promise I'll go right to sleep. Significant. Do you mean? 
we don't have to play the next one um, just yet. Um, who's seen that movie before? This was a deleted scene that I found, and I was like, wow, that's special. <laughs> no, it's like kind of a bummer. Um, I think everybody wants an amazing dad, but there's a lot of us who haven't experienced an amazing relationship with our fathers, um, with our earthly fathers. And so sometimes it's easy for that poor experience to translate over to relationship with God because he is our father. He's our real one. Um, Everything else is just an earthly representation or is meant to be an earthly representation and reflection. And the reflection is never as good as the real thing. Um, And I think throughout that movie, Buddy's heart posture is significant to me because it's so childlike um, and believes the best and hopes for the best. And throughout the whole movie, he's searching for his dad, or most of the movie, he's searching for his dad, and he's dreamed of his dad. He's dreamed of relationship with his dad. Um, And I think that the heart behind today is just that we would return to that childlikeness, regardless of what we've experienced, Um, because the Father wants to invite us into the amazing relationship that he has with Jesus. Um, And I think before Jesus, and even after Jesus, we've never seen a better representation of what relationship between a child and their father should be. Like, we've never seen it exemplified better. And so I'm going to go into some details, um, but... That's my goal, is that we would, like, come to that place of childlikeness. Um, Let's play the next video, Justin. Son! Yo, son, what's up? What? You're not my dad! (laughs) Quick little video. But this... (laughs) This vine... Vine is an app that you that used to exist that people would share videos on, and this one went viral. Um, and I think how this message came up on my heart is because throughout my life, because I've there's just so much that I've learned about relationship with the Father. In talking to friends who. Um, like, have experienced really gnarly pain or traumatic experiences, um, the questions that they've had or even the ways that other people have tried to comfort them have shown me an image of the Father that is not an accurate representation of my Father in heaven um, and who he is through the life of Jesus. Um, Everything before Jesus 
was a subpar representation of who the Father is. And that's made clear when Jesus is um, recognized as the express image of who God the Father is. Nobody, nobody portrays a better picture. Um, and so, as friends of mine have gone through gnarly things, they've talked to me and been like, you know, I like, things are really gnarly and this pain is really real and these experiences are really heavy, but I'm just, I'm thankful because God's trying to teach me something. And I'm like, are you saying God gave you cancer? Like, that's not my dad. He's with you. But my, my father is not an abuser. Um, and so, like, that's been my response internally. And it takes so much tact and self-control for me to not be that adamant to the image of the father that's like kind of like dangled in front of me whenever I hear somebody talk like that. Um, and I feel defensive and I feel like it feels like energy is going to shoot from every fiber of my being in how, I, how, how much I want people to understand who he really is um, and that he's better than you think. Um, and so that's, I just wanted to fill you in on that because that's why this message is on my heart. Um, and so I'm going to try um, to like take you on a train of thought and um, I'm going to be as clear as possible. Um, and I'm going to share a lot of different things. And so um, I just hope that you come away with that childlikeness, um, that same, like, certainty. Um, um, if you want to take out your notes or your phone or something, um, and just write this sentence down. The Father has proven his true nature to us through the life of Jesus. So we never have to speculate, wonder, or be confused. I'll say it a couple more times so you can write it down. The Father has proven his true nature to us through the life of Jesus. So we never have to speculate, wonder, or be confused. Um, we good to go? Um, so in the past couple of years, we've spoken sermons here at IVC on being honest with God. And I think that's more of an introspective process and just being real with your heart before him 
today is a little different. Overall, I'm want, wanting to talk less about how we feel about him and more about the true and unchanging nature of God. Our feelings will change and alter based on what we experience, but he is always the same. Um, who's ever taken, I'm sure, I'm sure this has been used in a sermon illustration you've seen before, but who's ever taken a magazine and drawn like glasses on the person on the front of the magazine and like little devil horns and like a mustache and like just made their, made their face ugly or whatever. Who's done that? Okay. A handful of you who, who has seen that done? Okay. A few more. Um, well, um, I wanted to bring that up because it's very clear that Satan wants to draw horns on God's head. And he wants to uglify the most high. as <laughs> low-hanging fruit. Um, thank you, Mike. That was a Mike Becchio. Um, Satan wants to draw horns on God's head and point the finger at the Father and say he's the one who's at fault. Um, and one of the ways he wants to do that is through our questions, as we heard about last week from Seth. The enemy wants to plant questions that are going to turn our hearts against the Father. Um, and he wants to minister something different to us. The enemy wants to minister something different to us. Um, my emotions may change and I may feel specific ways, but even emotions themselves exalt themselves against him. But the life of Jesus is so clear. Um, I'm going to go into a couple of things um, about the history of the Father, but first I kind of want to ask the question what is a Father? Um, this is a, an opportunity for some family participation. Um, you could ask yourself one of three questions. What is a father to you? There are two questions, I guess. What is a father to you? What's it like to have a father? Um, you could just shout out like one or two words or a sentence or, and then I'll add a couple things. What's a father to you? Teacher. Someone who listens. Someone who's bigger than me. Someone to go to. Someone you can run to when you're scared. Wait, say that. Say that. A trustworthy provider. Someone who protects. Someone who cares. Someone who teaches you joy. Someone who holds your hand in hard times. Someone who tells dad jokes. <laughs> a, couple, a couple other things I wrote down. He is a source of identity and a mirror. A roadmap for who we could be. 
provision out the wazoo. (laughs) Smiles and hugs. Diaper changes. Loving correction when we're not acting like who we are. Wisdom and knowledge about life. Teaching and warnings. An example of how to love others and lay his life down for someone else. His love for mom. Never too busy for me. Cheerleader and biggest supporter. And partner through covenant. Um, yeah. Some of us have had fathers and some haven't. Some of us have had amazing fathers and some haven't. No matter which way we've experienced life, it's never too late to experience God and allow him to redefine who he is as a father. When he redefines what a father is, he also redefines what love is. And then this, this lyric came to my mind. Um, I don't think this song has been written, so I'm going to write it sometime. Um, I thought I was loved before, and then I met you, and you changed that too. Um, I don't know about you, but in this journey of getting to know the Father, I want to come to a place, a landmark or checkpoint, where from that point on, I'm walking in immovable confidence in his goodness um, and boldness in his strength. Like this perspective of like, my dad could beat up your dad. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many of you have experienced that, but when I was in children's church, I remember this so vividly. I was like three or four years old, and me and my friends would argue about whose dad was stronger. And like, dude, my dad would wreck your dad. Yeah, but our dads are friends, bro. Chill out. Um, and... Um, and a couple other things that I like I want us all to come to um, is that we would always believe the best about his nature and character, even when pain causes our questions to rise. Um, I want us to come to a place of allowing our questions to be verbalized to him so that we're never creating so that we're never creating a distance that's not there. Um, I'm going to say that one again. I want us to come to a place where we allow our questions to be verbalized to him so that we're never creating a distance that's not there. Because he's, he's here. The first thing that comes out of a child's mouth when they're in pain is longing for mom and dad. When a child gets hurt, dad! Or mom! Like... It's instinctual. We were built with that. That longing is what I want to return to when I'm in pain. Before even asking for a solution, most often they'll cry out, mom or dad. Um, I have vivid memories of um, having a hard time sleeping or having a nightmare. And just running into my parents' room and telling them everything that I had experienced in my nightmare, and they would just listen, and then they would just hold me. Um, Yeah. 
Praise God. Um, throughout the course of history, let's go into the, the history of the Father. Um, there have been so many different people in their unique situations where God uniquely revealed himself to them, and yet he's a person who's never changing. He's constant, infinite, and so vast in his nature. However, with as many ways he's revealed himself to millions of different people in their unique situations, all of the revelations of who he is pale in comparison to the revelation of the Father through through Jesus. In the beginning, God created a garden to dwell with us in. Adam and God walked and talked and co-created together in the garden. Um, Then with the fall... Adam and Eve delegated their authority to the enemy, um, stepping into a self-serving lifestyle, completely going against the grain of everything else God had created. Um, Everything in nature is focused on serving and giving. Um, And for the first time, they, like, took... um, trying to fix something inside um, that was created by that question that the enemy planted? Did God really say? Um, In the garden, they had communion with the Lord, but Adam chose to know the answers and um, and separate from God rather than to know him. That's just so significant to me about the fall is that like Adam chose to try and find the answer instead of like the contentedness and the fact that he already had communion with God Um, so after the fall happened even then although they had rebelled against God the father's heart was still toward them The word says that after they fell, they tried to cover themselves up and then they heard the the Lord walking through the garden and he was looking for them. He would, like, that paints a different picture of who the Father is than things that I've been taught in other churches. Things that say, like, God is so uh, disgusted by sin that he can't even look at you if you sin. And yet, from the very beginning, after the very first sin, he's walking through the garden and saying, Adam, where are you? Um, One thing that I've learned from Chris Vallotton, one of my favorite teachers, preachers, prophets, whatever, he says, God knew where Adam was physically. There's no hiding from an omnipotent God. He was asking where his heart was at. Um, and the fact that God goes out and walks through the garden saying, Adam, where's your heart? Like, we had communion and now where are you? Um, and then I think the next uh, step in history or ne- the next moment in history between God and man that I want to focus in on is Job and his friends. Um, because after the fall, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because 
um, they had separated themselves from God. And if they had separated themselves from God and then gone over to the tree of life to eat of it, they would have lived forever in separation from God. And God in his mercy kicked them out. Um, And then later on, Job is honestly the book of the Bible that I'm probably most frustrated exists within the canon because so many of my friends who've gone through gnarly things have gone to the book of Job for comfort and they've related to Job um, and have brought into their own hearts outdated theology, outdated relationship with God theology that um, where they're like, um, trying to relate to Job and they, they see him in his suffering and then they're also suffering and so they step into his shoes and they're like, oh, like, I feel so comforted because there's someone in the Bible who's experiencing what I'm experiencing. But, like, I, I, I've only heard the book of Job taught well a couple of times. Um, the times that, they, that it was taught poorly, they never told me that the book of Job and all of Job's ex- experience happened before covenant was made with man. So any goodness that God showed Job, any protection and any restoration was completely unmerited. He had, it, it wasn't a family matter. He had no, like, in a sense, because Adam and Eve had given their authority over to the enemy, God had no business doing anything good for Job. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of mind-blowing to me because, um, wait, let's, first I want to, I want to dive into, uh, so Job and his pain, in Job 16.2, he told his friends, you are miserable comforters, all of you. <laughs> um, Job's friends did at least three things right that can be seen in Job 2. 11 through 13. First, they came to him when he was suffering. Secondly, they empathized with him. They began to weep out loud and tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Third, they spent time with him. Verse 13 in Job 2 states that they were with him seven days before they offered advice. They commiserated their friend in silence. But their silence didn't last forever. These three men gave a series of speeches to Job, recorded in chapters 4 through 25. The speeches of Job's three friends included many inaccuracies, primarily involving why God allows people to suffer. Their overarching belief was that Job was suffering because he had done something wrong. As a a result, they repeatedly encouraged Job to admit his wrong and repent so that God would bless him again. God clearly condemned their advice. I am angry with you. Eliphaz and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me. That's crazy. Um, In the poor teachings on Job that I've heard, it's been about like God allows 
or even causes your pain to teach you something. Um, but we need to be so careful about how we interpret Job. It's unwise to pull an isolated verse from the book of Job and use it to understand God. Especially because we have Jesus. There's even stuff from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob that we need to be careful about. But we need to be especially careful about Job because he's pre-covenant. Um, so like I said before, the fact about Job is although he, God had no covenant with Job, he still operated as a merciful, kind rescuer and restorer of everything that Job lost. God had no family obligations God bringing Job up in conversation with Lucifer is pretty intriguing to me because at the time, Lucifer had free range of the earth. Authority was given to him by man. And God brought Job up in conversation with Satan almost as a mockery to Satan, as if to say, Adam gave you authority, but righteousness still exists within my children no matter what you do. Their hearts are still open to me and they still want covenant with me, not you. Um, I overhear conversations like God's allowing this to teach you something, but we forget that there's more happening than just us. Even him filling us with the Holy Spirit and his authority isn't just about us. It's also about trampling on serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy. Like in Luke ten nineteen. If anybody's going to learn something, it's that my dad is bigger than the prince of this world. And Jesus already won the battle and we already know the end result of the war we're in. We win. So, every relationship God had with mankind before Jesus was dope, but not supremely dope. Yes, there's some meat on those bones to eat from, but Jesus and his relationship with God cannot be replaced by anything else. Old covenants are subpar. Some of the things we've gleaned from their relationships with God are actually outdated correspondences because we've been brought into a new covenant. Old covenants are subpar. And some of the things we've gleaned from their relationships with God are outdated correspondences because we've been brought into a new covenant. After the sermon, if you want homework, go read the book of Hebrews. Um, So just a couple of bullet points throughout history of ways that mankind experienced God or covenants that were made with mankind from the Lord. After the flood, God made a covenant with Noah placing a rainbow in the sky, saying, I will never again. Actually, it wasn't just a covenant with Noah. Noah was the representative of life on earth. But God actually made the covenant of the rainbow with all of life on earth, even plants and animals. And he said, I will never again flood the earth with water. Um, And then other points in history... Abraham had a conditional covenant with God, which actually was fulfilled later on through Jesus. Abraham experienced the Lord. Um, The angel of the Lord stopped him and commanded him not to harm Isaac when he was about to sacrifice Isaac. And then a sacrifice was provided on his behalf. Jacob experienced... That's kind of interesting. I've heard people relate to that. Um, Moses and the burning bush... Um, He experienced God in the burning bush. Moses also experienced God face to face 
on top of, I believe, Mount Ararat. Um, no, Mount Sinai. Sinai. Um, Moses and Israel, um, their relationship with God was really, really interesting um, after they got out of Egypt. Um, rebel, return, complain, rebel, return, complain for so long. Um, Moses and Israel experienced God like a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Gideon experienced um, the angel of the Lord coming to him and showing him his true identity, which was pretty amazing. Um, and, but <laughs> that's kind of a funny story to me because like, it was already so clear because an angel of the Lord had been sent. Um, some even say that it was a prophetic instance of the Messiah coming and encountering someone. Um, but then he like tested the Lord through the fleece. And I've seen people test the Lord like, God, if this is really your will, do this. And I really believe that's an outdated method of communication with God because we're in a better covenant now and he's placed his Holy Spirit inside of us. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of the stranger they don't follow. And even this idea of like, like I I can't even imagine applying the Gideon fleece to my relationship with my own dad. That makes no sense. My dad's like, hey, do you want to go to dinner tonight? I want to take you to Chili's. I'm like, tight. Prove it. If that's what you really want, then you're going to drive down to Oxnard and grab me rolling pin donuts and bring them back up to me. And if you bring that back up, then I'll really know that you want to take me to dinner. It's like, like, why would I do that? Like, God's been so clear. He's been so clear about his love. He's been so clear about who he is. He's been so clear about the things he's provided to us. Why would, he, why would we put him through the ringer? And, and then secondly, why are we disqualifying ourselves from being sheep? My sheep hear my voice, the voice of the stranger they don't follow. That's, like, we're all qualified for that, amen? Um, Moving on. God appeared as a whisper to Elijah. Um, God, in 1 Samuel 7, I kind of got stuck in Samuel while I was studying. Um, It's an amazing book, 1 Samuel. Um. This actually happens so many times throughout the Old Testament where God, um, the way that people expect to experience God and even need God is in uh, politics and war. And in 1 Samuel 7, they experience God as a weapon of mass destruction. And... That's crazy that he's able to. That's just wild to me. Um, But even this is like 
yes, all throughout history, God is unchanging. But like, if we don't see all of these things through the lens of Jesus, then we're going to come up with a different conclusion about who the Father is. Um, Samuel and Israel in 1 Samuel 8. Um, up until that point, Samuel was the leader of Israel, but Israel didn't have a king. Um, and Israel said, we want a king. And um, Samuel basically had to come to the Lord and say, hey, no disrespect, but the people want a king. And they're like, he talks a little bit about like how um, he's like, I don't think that the people mean to dishonor you, God, by wanting a king, but like they're asking for it. So I'm communicating this to you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that moment is so interesting because they're asking to be put under authority other than the Lord himself. Um, and after this point, there's like the law that's brought into the conversation. Um, and praise God, he like, he redeemed the curse of the law that was brought with all of that. Um, through the life of Jesus, but um, all right, let's keep moving. Um, David had a quite different experience with the Lord because um, because David's known to have relationship with God. Um, up until that point, a relationship with God like the one David had was unparalleled in all of history. Um, but still, that, com- that pales in comparison to Jesus' relationship with the Father. Um, Solomon in 2 Chronicles, Chronicles 7. Solomon was offering sacrifices. I also got stuck in Chronicles. I was just like reading all about the temple and Solomon building the temple and fulfilling David's dream that he had for God to have a dwelling place in the earth. Um, it was crazy, all the detail that went into the temple. And I was like, Holy crap, if this is like the detail that went into and the expense that went into building the temple for God to dwell in, like, why don't we invest in our temples? Like, not even just our bodies and like working out and eating good, but like, like, why don't we take the time to like make a home for him, you know? We can invite him in, but like, let's also, you know, Maintenance and vacuuming the carpets and yeah, it's good. Um, God appeared to a dream, or God appeared in a dream to Solomon, um, and he asked Solomon, "Like, what do you do? What do you want?" Solomon was like troubled within himself, and God said, "What do you want?" And Solomon said, "I just want wisdom and understanding with which to." lead your people. Um, And God said, because you didn't ask for riches or wealth or resources or any of that, like, I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding, but I'm also going to bless your socks off. That is significant to me in the revelation of who God is as a father that rolls out through history. Um, even though Solomon later on 
like um, worships other gods and like gets addicted to sex and a bunch of other things happen that kind of screw over the whole nation of Israel. Um, after that, um, the prophets from that point on until Jesus um, were carriers of God's voice and the hope of the Messiah. And they were hoping and praying and speaking and prophesying into a future where we would see the Father more clearly. And then Jesus lands as a baby, the express image of the Father. Um, and Jesus, what we were invited into through the life of Jesus as the pinnacle of all of history is unconditional union with the Father because this time God fulfilled both sides of the covenant, showing us a better way to perfect relationship. Um, Jesus is the perfect son and the father has always been the perfect father. And it took, it took the perfect son and the perfect father to show us who the father really is. Nobody else was able to show us this before Jesus. That's how this covenant has been established and how relationship has been shown to us. Even in the, the story of the prodigal son that Jesus speaks, he's um, like, it's such an amazing, beautiful story. But the relationship there, even the older son and the younger son, both of their relationships with the father totally pale in comparison to Jesus's relationship with the father. Jesus never ran away. His heart has remained true to the father, but like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus's heart has never been filled with jealousy for the younger brother, the prodigal. His heart has always been a direct reflection of who the father is, which is always arms wide open to the prodigal sitting on the porch, looking out, waiting for the prodigal to return home. Because the, word, the, the story of the prodigal son says that the father saw the son from a long way off. And the son had been gone for a long time. So, so much so that they all thought he was dead. But the father, seeing his son from a long way off, means he must have been sitting there waiting and watching and expecting his son to return home. Which honestly is pretty confident on the father's part. And that, that's so amazing to me. That the father's confidence that his son would return home, or even just the hope that his son would return home, says on the, father, on the father's part, he's like, he's got to come back. Like, where else is he going to go? Like, we were made for this. We were made for a relationship. Um, at Monday prayer this week, um, Abby prayed, and she was praying for the people of Isla Vista. And she said, it's time for people to experience God for who he really is. They thought he's like thunder, but he's going to encounter them like warm rain. And as, as I've been praying into what to share today, that was just a confirmation that this is what the Father wants us to zone in on. Um, and so at this point, 
um, if we've been worshiping a false image of who the Father is, it's way easy to simplify and point fingers to him as the culprit for our pain, hardship, and traumatic experiences. It's too simple. Um, um, if we... So... If we're worshiping an outdated image that's been painted for us of who the Father is, as opposed to the clear, perfect representation of who the Father is through the life of Jesus. If we've been worshiping other than, it's way easy to simplify and point fingers at God as the culprit for our pain, hardship, and traumatic experiences. Um, And like I said earlier, this is not that we shouldn't be honest with where our hearts are at and what we're feeling, but God is never changing. And his heart has always been toward us and he's always desired to be with us. Let's open up to John 14. Jesus is the way to the Father. Let's go to verse 8. I'm in the Passion Translation, just because it spices it up a little bit. Are y'all here? Okay, praise God. Philip spoke up. Actually, no, 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 no. Um, let's just do the whole thing. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John 14. Don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you've believed in God. Now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. When everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself, so that you will be with me where I am. And you already know the, the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be all we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I've done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same miracles I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to the Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. 
Loving me empowers you to, be, to obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be with you, um, who will be to you a friend just like me. He will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. I promise you I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I will live again and you will come alive too. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. This is so good. And then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is it that you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word, and my Father will love you so deeply, and we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I am telling you this while I'm still with you. But when the, Father spirits, when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who will set you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word I've told you. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Remember what I've told you. I must go away, but I promise to come back to you. So if you truly love me, you will be glad for me since I'm returning to my Father who's greater than I. That's good. So when all of these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. That's, that's good. Um, I won't speak with you much longer for the, rule of, uh, the ruler of this dark world is coming, but he has no power over me for he has nothing to use against me. I'm doing exactly what the Father destined for me to accomplish so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Now come with me. That's so amazing. Um, yeah, we're going to land in a second. Um, thank you, God. Papa, we want to see you rightly. We want to see you for who you really are. Thank you, Jesus, that you've welcomed us into relationship with the Father. Teach us what that relationship is really supposed to be like. Thank you, Father, that there's no substitute for this. Right now, God, I just ask that you would douse us with your tenderness. That we would be able to look at your face and admire the wrinkles on your face. That we would be able to thank you for the years of sacrifice and hard work and faithfulness that has gone into living the life that we now get to live one with you. Thank you, Father, that you're boldly speaking over us. I am going to take care of you. 
and that we can cling to that truth. Thank you, Father, that your desire and dream for us is that we would dream of you, that you would be the center of our desire and attention. Thank you, Father, that even in testing and trial, that you're with us in it, reminding you, reminding us of your presence, reminding us that you're with us. Reminding us that there's nothing we have need of because we're with you. And Papa, we just sacrifice our questions to you. We offer up our questions to you and we just say that we will not glorify the questions above relationship with you. We won't worship the questions above relationship with you. You can do whatever you want with the questions, Papa, whether you replace them with more questions or whether you provide answers. Because you're the one who knows what we really need, whether we need more questions or whether we need the answer itself. I thank you, Father, that all in all, you are the answer and that relationship with you has always been the answer. Jesus, thank you that you prayed over us. Before you died. Yeah, I'm just going to read this and then we'll close. John 17. Verse 20, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you've given me, I've given them so that they would be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and I now live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you've sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you would allow everyone that you've given me to be with me where I am, that they will see my full glory, the full splendor that you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous Father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you've sent me. I I will reveal to them who you are, And I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you, Mark. That was such a good word. Wow. Wow. You know, the revelation of God as Father is so massive. Like, thank you. Amen. 
It honestly is, though. It shapes so much of our life that we're not even aware of, which is why, like, I mean, Jesus even said, call no man on earth your father, because you have one father who's been from the beginning. And you referenced the verse about, you know, Jesus bringing us back home to dad. It's a big deal who father is. And if you want a healthy life in the Lord, you've got to know God as father. You have to. And you have to fight for that revelation because so many things in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, sometimes can give a different picture than who God really is. Dude, you killed it, bro. Like you just dropped a teaching on us. That was so rich.